Well, good morning and actually Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us on Christmas morning. I certainly do want to thank the team for uh, making sure that we had an opportunity to come greet you. I want to thank the Smarts, Jason and Lisa and their family for hosting us uh, to be able to come to you and greet you. I hope that you've had uh, a good morning so far. We certainly had some very good services last night. Those of you there in, in attendance, uh, you were there to experience what God done in those services. And just thank you for joining with us and being with us uh, at Church for the City. I want to share a brief thought uh, out of Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 7. I want to come from the thought, the light will shine. Uh, the setting of this is 743 B.C. Ahaz is the king of Judah. He's an idolater. Uh, he, he's an evil man, a wicked man. He's had many, many warnings. Uh, Isaiah is a prophet. There's a few other prophets at, at the time. But the key one that spoke to Judah and spoke to Ahaz uh, was indeed uh, Isaiah. And he had let them know already because of all of the attacks that have been coming against the nation, which is occurring, of course, because of their rebellion, poor leadership, uh, just their their abandonment of God in so many ways. Mind you, though, the Lord always keeps a remnant, but uh, just their rejection of God and his ways. They were experiencing some turmoil in the nation. And Isaiah let them know if they trust in God instead of themselves, that will absolutely turn around, which is always a message uh, for all of us. You know, repentance is the is the thing that immediately stops what's going wrong and turns it completely around. It's not like when you repent and God says, OK, since you did that, let's just see how you do in the meantime. No, repentance immediately turns things around. So Isaiah did tell them the Lord was going to turn this around if they would respond to, to him. And he gave them a word that would assure them that they will see that God carry through. And it's a familiar passage in Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. So he's letting them know God's even going to give a sign that this is actually going to happen if you repent. That was in Isaiah chapter seven. Now, Ahaz didn't listen to the challenge, uh, unfortunately, nor did he lead the people closer to the God of heaven. So then the Lord tell King uh, Ahaz in Isaiah chapter eight that Assyrian was going to come in and bring a great invasion. The Lord appealed to him again. Just trust him. He's a God of safety. He's a God of peace. Just follow his teachings, his instructions, and you'll see the blessing of it for generations. Rather than turn to the Lord, it blows my mind. They actually knew they needed to get help. They had already been convinced not to go to other nations, but they decided actually to go to mediums, to spiritualists, people who can talk to these uh, spirits of the dead. Listen to Isaiah chapter 8, 19 through 22. Someone may say to you, Let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings. They will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? What a statement. What what a question. Instead of going to God of heaven, they realize they probably shouldn't go to, quote unquote, foreign gods. They knew they couldn't trust other nations to help them. Instead, they decide to go to people who are dead. And, and the, the, the passage is so clear. How can you receive any living word to help your life 
when you're relying on someone that is dead to speak to you. Well, Isaiah responded to that so passionately in verse number 20 of, of chapter eight. He says, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. Because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble, anguish, and dark despair. They will be thrown out into darkness. Now, this was back in that time and back in that day. But I'm telling you, this message is still true. And what, what he's dealing with is still the same. Can't you hear that right now? Can't you sense that you could say that to so many people in the USA? People who will contradict the words of the Lord, completely ignore the Lord, end up in darkness, end up in poverty, end up in hunger, end up weary. Instead of listening to God, they'll rage him and curse against him. They'll rage against all kinds of uh, spiritual leadership. And wherever they look, they continue to see anguish and dark despair. 743 BC is the same situation we see in 2022. But, but here's the good news. It was to Judah, it was good news and was realized and fulfilled when Jesus came the first time uh, there in Palestine when they were under oppression of the Romans. And this same principle, the same truth is also to us today as we look to Jesus. And, and here it is in Isaiah 9, 1 through 4. He says this, Talking about the darkness, remember that people are in the despair, the hunger, the weariness. But Isaiah 9, 1 through 4 says this, Nevertheless, that time in darkness and despair will not go on forever. I, I love this about God, that he always tells his people, even though you're in this situation, even though you're in that situation, I'm, I've experienced it in my own life where God seems like he personally comes and says, Tyrone, even though this is your situation and this is what you've done and this is what you experience, here's the good news. There's always a way out for the people of God. God provides that. Redemption is not just a theme that we have for salvation. Redemption is our life story. God is able to redeem every situation in our life. It is not an understatement to say that Christians are the turnaround turn, turn kids. God always has a way to turn our life around. So he says this, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The people of the nation of Israel will rejoice for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. That is the promise that comes with the Messiah coming. The Messiah coming the first time in that manger as a baby and the Messiah returning again to settle all things as we'll share more so a little bit later. How is that gonna happen? What is this light? Who is this light? Well, verses six and seven of chapter nine tells us, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders, meaning the authority, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven's armies will make this happen. This is an outstanding scripture. I know we hear it often during Christmas. I know we hear it often when it, we get closer and closer during Advent season. 
but it's a message of truth for every day of our life. Christ's coming did not just have an implication to the people then and only did it have implication on that time. These same attributes about Jesus still reside with him and reside with us because of the Holy Spirit. He's not just any son. It talks about a son is given to us. He's not just any son and he's not just a good son, but he's the son of God. He is this Emmanuel, God with us, the child that was born to the virgin as prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14. He is the son that's given us who we know as Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 2, 11 says this, unto you is born this day a savior. Christ being born and given to us is a great foundation of our hopes and the foundation of our joys in the times of greatest fear and times of greater, greater grief. And why is that? Because what we define in his name. Notice these, these attributes, these names of him. He is a wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor means he's intimately acquainted with us. Many people go to counselors and probably for good, a good reason. I think it's good for everyone to check in with a counselor uh, every now and then. But, but wonderful counselor describes the intimacy of this particular one. We're not going to somebody who has to hear our story and then tell us what they think is best based on their experience or clinical, te uh, clinical uh, training. We're going to a savior, a God who knows us intimately. All the counsels of the deep recesses of our heart and our mind, he already knows. From eternity beginning to eternity end, he knows everything about us. He's able to counsel his children in all affairs of our life, and he consults us for what's good for our welfare. Listen what the scripture says about him in Psalm 16:7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. That's how deeply, intimately God is with us. Even in our deepest sleep, he's so aware of how to speak to us even then that when we rise up in the morning, we know we've heard from God and he's spoken clearly to us. He's that kind of wonderful counselor. Romans 11, 33 through 34 says, all the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? That, what, what a great truth. Who knows God well enough to counsel him? But I tell you what we can be, what we can trust. God knows us well enough to counsel us. Colossians 2, 3 says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All things need to know about us, about life, about affairs are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful counselor. This son that was given to us is a wonderful counselor. But it also says this about him. He's a mighty God, a powerful warrior, a Messiah who will accomplish all military exploits. I'm not talking about coming with a great sword and, and taking out the enemy in that manner. I'm talking about a warrior who fights for his people. He fights for us spiritually. He fights for us mentally. He fights that we may have ultimate victory over this life into eternity. Psalm 24, eight says this about him. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. It's this God who's come. And it's this God who we're looking forward to. Titus 2.13 says, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God, and he is an everlasting father. Everlasting father does not suggest that the son is also the father. There is certainly uh, three persons to the Godhead. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, of course, but three persons of that Godhead. Each person of the Godhead is, is distinct. But among the Jews, whenever they use the word Father, it means originator or source. Even they're re referring to a person. They'll talk about the father of our family or the father of this business. It's referring to the originator or the source. A good way to see this is also on a counter note in John chapter 844, when Jesus said that the devil was the father of lies, meaning he's the originator of all lies. Well, Jesus is the father of eternity. He is the author of everlasting life. Earthly kings will live for a period of time, usually a, a short reign. Uh, we just lost uh, Queen Elizabeth, who was the longest living monarch uh, on the earth, uh, well over 70 years in her authority. That's a rarity that someone will last that long. Earthly kings and queens usually come and go, but he will reign forever. The scripture says to us that he, he is able to save us to the utmost for an everlasting salvation. So he's a he's an everlasting father, but he's also the prince of peace as a king. He creates peace in his kingdom. He is our peace, the scripture says, and it's his peace that keeps our heart and keeps the people, the mind of the people who he rules. Luke 2, 14. You might recall this is usually quoted on Christmas Day. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is well pleased. He is our peace. He comes to give peace. Notice that this says with those whom he's well pleased There's other translations that says talks about those that, that are surrendered to him, those that belong to him. Christ is peace to all of us who trust him. It does speak on the on the on the other side of you've heard the uh, you heard the old saying, no, Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W, no, Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. But no, Jesus, N-O is also no peace. And, and that is a fact indeed. He is the Prince of Peace whom we need in our life. Without him, it's a life of darkness, as we just read about, a life of despair, a life of weary, uh, a life of gloom, uh, a life of, of uh, complete separation from the things that God is able to give us. But Acts 10, 36 tells us about Jesus. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. So Jesus is indeed our shalom. Jesus is the Prince of Prosperity. He's the giver of all blessings. He's the establisher of eternal peace. As we discover his love, we discover the application of his righteousness and what it means to serve him. That's who he is. And this is what he does. Not only is he those things to us, but this same passage goes on to say that he will rule over God's people and the world. The government is up on his shoulder. He is the one that will come with authority. All nations of the world will be subject to him. His government will ever increase as the kingdom of God expands, as it multiplies, as we go from this place to other places, tapping into other nations and ethnicities, other ethnic groups. Daily, the kingdom of God is expanding. So his kingdom is growing. His authority is all upon us. He will rule over God's people and over the world. The kingdom of Christ is consistently growing and eventually it would come to a perfection at last. Not only is he the ruler of all, but he will rule forever. Two wonderful passages that are actually made to be together. One from the Old Testament that proclaims something that is fulfilled in the New Testament. Daniel chapter four, uh, sorry, Daniel chapter seven, verse 14 says, and to him was given dominion 
and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom will be one that shall not be destroyed. The only kingdom that has ever been established on this earth that will never be destroyed is the one that's established by the great king, the one who rules forever, the almighty God, the everlasting father, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation eleven fifteen. this is when all things is getting consummated. It says the king of the world has become the king of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. That is the king that was born in that stable on this day. He will rule just and righteously. Just, just think of it. A kingdom in which everything is done honorably. A kingdom in which everything is done right. A kingdom when everything is done with integrity. No reason to ever question a decision of the one who's leading that kingdom. There is no division among the people of that kingdom because they are all agreeing with the leader that they have because it's his spirit that's within us that declares, yes, that is righteous. Yes, that is just. Yes, that is holy because it's coming from the righteous one. It's the spirit of God that's within us that enables us to understand that righteousness and to know the truth of justice and judgment. And so sure, we're gonna see some darkness. We see darkness even now. But remember the words of the prophet Isaiah. Nevertheless, the time of darkness will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That's the hope of every believer. That's the hope of us as Christians. Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born this day in Bethlehem. Trust him to be your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father, your prince of peace. Become a citizen of this kingdom. Today, on Christmas Day, this light can shine in your life, in your home, in your business, in your heart, in your mind, those dark, deep crevices of your life. Open them up and let Jesus shine through. Let him shine in your heart. He will change your world and he will change your life. He is indeed the Savior that was born this day. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas.